Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Project Loving Myself podcast is brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. The environment is not something that happens out there. It is a world that we live in. You're listening to Project Loving Myself podcast, a well-being podcast that shares stories of self-love, mental fortitude, and self-discovery. Hosted by life designer and well-being coach, Sanaya Gurnamal. Hi, I'm Sanaya Gurnamal, and this is the Project Loving Myself podcast. Join me each week as we navigate through aha moments, new ideas, and flashes of insight from candid conversations that inspire you to get started on your own project of loving yourself. Because the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship that you have with yourself. You matter. This is Project Loving Myself. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Project Loving Myself podcast, your reminder to fall in love with yourself, to make yourself a priority, and to pay attention to your well-being, because you are important, and I won't let you forget that. Today, we will talk about how we choose to live our life and how that reflects who we are and impacts future generations at the same time. So in this episode, we're going to learn a lot about this planet that we inhabit from someone who feels very strongly about caring for it. He once said, our children will inherit this planet. Let's help them take care of it, which says a lot about his advocacies as an environmentalist and an ambassador of WWF or World Wildlife Fund and World Vision. Not only is he a successful model, TV host, and presenter, but he is also an adventurer, a bit of a nomad, and a child at heart. His Instagram in particular reads, traveling adventurer with a Peter Pan complex living in the Philippines. And this is something I definitely can't wait to hear more about. But his story doesn't stop there. He is a health and fitness influencer, a podcast host, and a man with a mission to change the way Filipinos think about our environment and the planet. He is also the host of the show Beached on Metro Channel 52. So let's get started with our very interesting guest today, Mark Nelson. Hi, Mark. Hello. Hello. Wow. That was uh, that was a heck of an in- introduction. I must uh, really get you to uh, well, hire you as my uh, my intro writer for uh, any <laughs> events that I host. <laughs> Thank you for we that. Have to was, it a little bit. There, there was uh, there was a lot of information on you, which was kind of interesting because I've heard about you. I followed you, and I know my husband knows you um, personally. And so it's very different to to get these bits and pieces from different areas. And then when you actually research the person, there's so much more in there. And as I'm researching you, I said, wow, you know, this this is going to be a lot more interesting than I had initially thought it would be because you've done a lot of different things. You have, you know, a lot of uh, very strong advocacies. And definitely I know that well-being is a priority for you. 
So my first curious or curiosity that I have about you is this Peter Pan complex. What is this? You know, what is this this identity that you imbibe? What does it represent or mean to you? Well, the Peter Pan complex, I mean, everyone knows Peter Pan. He was the, you know, the boy that never grew up. And I feel like the uh, the, the childish sense of, of wonder and excitement uh, and, and passion for life is, is something that we shouldn't voluntarily lose as we grow older. Because I, I do feel that uh, sometimes, you know, partly age is just a number, but also it's a frame of mind. It's a mindset. I feel like you, just because you're getting older, you're getting more mature, you're taking on more responsibility, that doesn't mean that you should necessarily stop all of the advantageous ways of thinking of your childhood, of experiencing things, of appreciating things. Do you remember like going out as a kid, as a child, and you know, you like being around nature and you know, like, you know, the sun was shining and you like to play and, and all of those things. And as we get older, we feel, oh, well, no, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, too mature and responsible to be going out and doing silly things like that or just going and, and splashing around in water or taking up a you know like a new sport or whatever it's for me it it's one of the great things of childhood and i don't think we necessarily need to leave it behind as we age i i totally agree with you mark because i think we get so lost being an adult all the time. You know, we have our responsibilities, we have expectations and obligations, and we have our to-do list and all these other things going on in our head that sometimes we forget to be a child again and to return to innocence, which kind of is mm -hmm. something that I teach in a lot of my classes is to remind people that there is such a beauty in looking at life through a child's eyes. My, my husband the other day decided to get an aquarium for our two little boys. And, I, I, you know, I'm not really a fish person. I never had an aquarium. I lived in a small apartment in, uh, in Japan. You know, we didn't have these big houses there. And I remember that I did have goldfish, but they died. So obviously I wasn't very good at taking care of fish. So he was really excited about getting an aquarium for my younger son. And I didn't quite get it, but, you know, I always aim to be supportive and to, to be a part of everything. So, you know, he was all about what kind of aquarium it's going to be and, you know, how the kids are going to be so excited. And when it came home, my kids were just on top of the world. Like they just sat there watching my husband and a couple of people set it up. And for them, that was like the most exciting thing. Me, I was like, okay, let me go and catch up on some other things I need to do. I'll, I'll look at it when it's all done. But I could see how, you know, every little thing about these fish that were coming into our house to be part of our family was the most exciting thing for my children. And I, I thought about that for a minute and I said, you know what? I want to I wanna experience that again. And so I joined them and we just sat there staring at the fish. And it was such a beautiful experience. So we forget in the day to day that these are, you know, these are important things to, to be carefree and to appreciate the tiny little things in life. So I, I totally get that. I, I like what you said about, you know, how we, when we're a child, we enjoy nature and we enjoy all these things. So that phrase got stuck in my head, a return to innocence. And I don't know if you remember that song by Enigma. Did you ever yes, hear that? Yes, I do. Yes. Yeah. Um, and came out, ooh, I think early 90s, maybe. Exactly. So I, I, um, when I was thinking about what I wanted to talk to you about, I went and 
went back to the lyrics of that song. And that song mm. is really about that. It's about growing up and it's about remembering that there's still a child inside you and enjoying all these little things in life. So I, I totally agree with you. But more than just this Peter Pan that you talk about, mm. You're also the adventurer. You're a nomad. I mean, you have been all over the place. And that is another, you know, really interesting aspect of the whole Peter Pan story, his love for adventure. So talk to me about that. You know, tell me about your travels and how did you finally decide to settle down? Well, I started traveling at a, at a very young age. When I was seven years old, my parents, my mother agreed to marry my stepfather who was based in Tanzania in East Africa at the time. And so we flew to Tanzania and I had these, you know, these grand visions of, you know, living like Tarzan in a tree house and everything. It wasn't quite like that, but we did get to go on safari every weekend. So yeah, growing up in Tanzania and then Kenya and then here in the Philippines for a few years, you know, back and forth to Australia you know, Hong Kong as well. <clears throat> and then just having that, I guess, that natural sense of, of wanderlust and, and travel being not an unusual thing. When we were living overseas, I would travel back to Australia either once or twice a year to visit my brother and my dad. And at, a, you know, like seven or eight years old, I was traveling on my own already. You know, like my parents would like, you know, throw me on a plane and the flight stewardesses would take care of me. And I thought that was relatively normal. So as I got older and, you know, finished uh, high school and university, I would spend my free time still traveling, you know, to visit my parents wherever they happen to be in the world and usually visiting a few other places along the way when I, when I did go. And all through university while my friends were out, you know, like partying and going to clubs and everything on weekends, I was working. And the reason I was working is because I was just, you know, like, the four years I was in university, I just wanted to save money because I knew that as soon as I was done, I'm out. I'm going to go and do like Australians have this expression. It came from uh, the Aboriginals uh, it's called walkabout, where you basically, you know, the, an individual goes off and they walk out into the bush completely on their own. <clears throat> and I guess in a way to sort of find themselves and they don't know when they're going to come back. They don't really have any plans. You just go until you stop going and you come back when you come back. And so it's like an, I was, it's like an initiation. They call that like an initiation in spiritual terms. It's like you go and you, you know, you face yourself, you find yourself. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. And then so tell me more. So, yeah, that's what I did. I basically saved up for my, for my big walkabout. And uh, once I graduated and saved up enough money, I strapped on a backpack, bought a one-way ticket, said goodbye, and I'll see you when I see you. And off I went. And that was the start of my grand solo journey uh, around the world, you know, around, uh, you know, six months in Europe. Then I ended up living and working in Canada for a while and then came to the Philippines for a few years and then left and then came back. And growing up, I'd always wondered where I would settle down. I always felt very much for a, like a free spirit, a citizen of the world. But I figured, okay, eventually it would be nice to have somewhere that I could call a home base. So Saying settle down is, it's not really, okay, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to stay here and that's it. I'm, you know, like I'm done. Mm -hmm. It was more like, okay, this will be my home base. So this is where I hang my hat. This is where I, you know, I'll, maybe I, I come back to and where I can, you know, keep some things and build a life and build, you know, like a, a friends and a, and a sense of family. 
and yet still have the freedom to be able to to go out into the world and and continue these adventures and these explorations and yeah i guess a uh, journey of of self discovery it's something that i i love very much it's something i'm very passionate about and i truly believe that travel is sadly something we can't do at the moment but it is one of the greatest educations you can possibly get i certainly learned a lot more from traveling than i ever did at university not to say that university is a bad thing kids <laughs> disclaimer there. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes we have to travel outside of ourselves to find ourselves and sometimes we have to travel inward. So, definitely, you know, the going out there and traveling. I mean, my childhood was also quite a bit of traveling. I lived in many places. Um, but at the end of the day, do you think that part of why you have this love for Peter Pan and, you know, it's really important for you to stay in that kind of childlike mindset? while still still being a, an adult do you think a lot of it has to do with the fact that you didn't really have a typical childhood that from the time you were young i mean at 6 or 7 or 8 you were traveling by yourself and that was normal so you know a lot of kids at 6 or 7 are going to school and their parents are dropping them and packing their lunch and probably it was a very different kind of experience for you and obviously that has its positives because you saw the world and you you know you're still that adventurer at heart but do you think also that maybe because of that you've learned to value that childhood innocence and to really go back and try to reconnect with that aspect of yourself it could partly be uh, a little bit of that but i also feel like uh, the exposure that i've had to different cultures makes my my definition of what's valuable and what's important maybe a little bit more fluid than others when you grow up in a more structured upbringing without much change i think that maybe it sometimes it narrows your view a little bit and so perhaps you know you were a little bit more inclined or influenced by the things that you see naturally around you and if everyone is basically doing you know the same thing it's like okay you know you grow up you go to school you go to university you get a job you get married you settle down you have kids and then you you know you go on vacation 2 weeks a year and if that's what everyone around you is doing then that's what you feel is normal now right. because i was growing up in random places meeting di- different people of all different you know social religious economic you know levels and having all of these different experiences it i think it just broadened my horizon to the point where it's like okay well nothing is necessarily right or the right way to doing thing or the wrong way of doing things it's like you kind of get the the freedom to figure things out for yourself and see what works just like i'm i'm not a i'm not a religious person but i i've studied a few different religions and i'm like okay i like that aspect of that i like that aspect of that i like that aspect of that and so i'm going to uh collect what i like to create a sort of uh a moral philosophy that that works well for me. Right. Uh and similarly like yeah the the you know the adventurous you know uh young at heart peter pan thing is something also that works for me and whether it would work for someone with less a slightly different background I'm not sure I would I would certainly welcome them to to try it but uh yeah this is one this is one that works for me. Before we move on here's a message about other shows on Podcast Network Asia. Hi guys, my name is Francesca and you've got me Jelly. You've got Del here. 
All right. So we hear that you like to listen to podcasts. You know what? That is pretty cool. It's the in thing to do right now. And we've got one. It's called The Eavesdrop. Do check it out, okay? We like to talk about everything and anything that's probably on your mind. Um, unfiltered, unedited, <laughs> sometimes to our own disadvantage. But go check it out after <laughs> listening to this one. I, I can totally relate to that because I do feel that a lot of people are afraid of change. And I work with a lot of people as a well-being coach and change happens to be one of the most most uh, difficult times for people. And that's when they usually seek help. And that's because many people have grown up, you know, very safe and comfortable in thinking and living their life in a certain way. And when things change, they don't know how to handle it. So I do definitely think that the travel and the adventure and you know, the seeing and meeting people from different backgrounds, different walks of life, it definitely builds a lot of tolerance. Mm. And it shows because you talked about how you've studied different religions and you're not necessarily attached or stuck to one, but you know how to b- take the good out of every religion and find kind of a, a, a common ground or a middle ground that works for you. So I, I completely echo your philosophy. It's very similar to a lot of what, of, what I believe. But um, I do see that for people who, hadn't, who haven't had that kind of an upbringing, it is definitely unconventional. It is definitely something um, that can be very intimidating okay? and not very common, especially here in the Philippines. I know that when I moved here, I, I noticed that while people here are very, very international, which is amazing, you know, because mm-hmm. we have a huge OFW community Still, because of maybe religion, maybe religious points of view, and maybe because of the political landscape here, it's, there's not as much freedom to explore other perspectives and points of view, which I'm seeing has changed a lot in the last mm. five years. You know, people are definitely a lot more open to these kind of topics, which is, which is nice to see. And what do you think of that? Like, how was it for you to come from, you know, your very varied background and settle down here in the Philippines where it's, it's different? Well, I've seen, I've seen a lot of positive change on, uh, in the landscape in that regard in, in, the, in the couple of decades that I've, I've been here. I think one of the reasons that, uh, unfortunately, a lot of uh, people in the Philippines aren't able to experience the same sort of uh, upbringing that, uh, that you and I have had is uh, is because of economic circumstances. It's very difficult to travel if you can't afford to travel. And 20 years ago, most college graduates didn't have much of a future at all. You know, the if you wanted to get a, a job as a cashier in a fast food restaurant, they would require a college degree because there were that many people with college degrees and without work. But now I guess with the BPO industry and everything, there are opportunities that can earn graduates a certain amount of income that will allow them to travel maybe not super far afield you know maybe they're not going to you know end up in in south america or go to iceland to see the northern lights although some of them do it have will you? enable them have you, have you been? it has been it has been it has been on my bucket list for a while me too uh, that's something i definitely want to do but i've got a pretty big bucket list <laughs> but uh yeah there there it enables them to travel around the country but also around asia and just within Asia, there's so many differences in culture and, uh, and I guess, lifestyles that it does broaden the mind. Even people that are, you know, they could have, uh, they could 
be very, very well educated and know about the world from from the internet and TV and books. The internet's another great uh, um, thing that came around in the last 20 years. It's helped a lot. But to be able to go somewhere and experience it and have one-on-one -on -one interaction with people of a different culture really, I guess, switches your mind from being perhaps partly xenophobic, that fear of the unknown, that fear of, you know, like, Pe you know, people and things that I don't understand, I, I'm afraid of, that sort of xenophobia. And then when you actually meet them and you talk to them, you find that there are a lot of things that are similar. And yet, whilst some of their ideas are different, it is right for their mindset in their environment. And once you can wrap your head around that, then all of a sudden you start to understand how different people make different decisions are on the same subjects. It's all about framing it in that person's personal mental structure of, right. as we go through life, we view it from our point of view. We can't view it from someone else's point of view. But if you can understand a little bit of where they're coming from, then maybe you can understand a little bit of why their point of view might be different. And that for me is one of the great things about travel and meeting other people. It's because by understanding others, then there, I believe that there will be less conflict. That's exactly what I was thinking is that that's what reduces conflict. And even just, you know, among relationships, if we can step out of our story, our perspective, and just look at it from somebody else's point of view, I mean, that in itself will diffuse, I would say, maybe more than 90% of conflicts in relationships. Yep. I think that most of us get very stuck to our point of view and then we feel like we're being victimized by somebody else's very different way of thinking and approach. And I do see that being more respectful of other people's, you know, other people's perspective, other people's ideas, opinions can go a long way in bringing the world together. And not only, you know, within our own families, our communities, our country, but definitely globally. So, Mark, you're also a true blend of cultures, backgrounds, and nationalities. I know that you're definitely a mix of several countries there. So how does mm -hmm. it feel to be you? And is there any particular country that you relate to? Or is it really, as you said, you're a citizen of the world? Heritage-wise or, or blood-wise, I'm a mixture of uh, English, Burmese, and Chinese. And my parents grew up in, in Burma, now known as Myanmar. But I was born in Australia and, but, you know, I guess raised all over the place. So I'm a little bit of this and that. I'm an, I'm an Australian citizen, but I'm a, I have a Filipino heart and, yeah, really a, a citizen of the world. If I identify with Australia, if, if I'm watching the Olympics, I will be rooting both for Australia and for the Philippines and probably a little bit for, for Burma. If, if they're no longer in the running, then maybe I'll, I'll, I'll go for England and China. But, uh, but my, priorities, my priorities generally are usually uh, the Philippines and Australia. When I talk about the Philippines, I, I talk about our, you know, our flag, you know, our country. Even though I'm, I'm hyper aware that I am not Filipino, but I do feel very attached to this country uh, and it's been so so good to me and so that's what I want to that's why I want to try and give back as much as I can. Yeah I understand in fact when I hear you I hear Australia when I look at you I see Philippines there's really something about you that really shouts out like yeah you are 
from the Philippines. You live here. This is home. Um, so I definitely get that vibe from you. But at the same time, do you think that it's important for us to connect back to our roots? Like, did you ever try to go back to find a little bit more about your culture, about your heritage? And I'm asking this question because, you know, I'm Indian by nationality, but I was born in mm -hmm. Taiwan. I was raised in Japan. And I, I held an Indian passport, but I married a Filipino Indian and now I'm Filipino. So I'm kind of, you know, an amalgamation of all these different countries, backgrounds, cultures, and even religion. So again, I can completely relate to you, but I'd love to hear your point of view on that. How do you feel about your roots? Well, when I go back to Australia now, I feel a little bit like a tourist, but I appreciate the country so much more because I no longer take it for granted. And I think this is important. Uh, when I was in Australia, yeah, I, you know, I knew it was a great country and all that, but I did take it for granted. I took so much of its beauty, so much of like, you know, the great food, the, you know, the freedoms, the, the infrastructure, the, you know, like all sorts of, of things about Australia that are truly amazing and makes it, makes it an incredible country. But going back, having been away for so long, makes me appreciate a lot of that so much more. Similarly, as a foreigner coming to the Philippines, so many people, so many Filipinos ask me, why are you here? We want to get away. We want to like, you know, leave the Philippines. You know, you know, why do you like that? Why do you like our country so much? I'm like, you have, you need to reopen your eyes and appreciate what this country is, how amazing it is. The beauty of, of not just, and I'm not just talking about the incredible beaches and, and the ocean and the mountains and, and all of that sort of stuff, which I could go on for ages with, but the people are incredible. I mean, I've traveled all over the world and I would say the, like, as a, as a nation, as a population, the friendliest people I've met are Filipinos. They're so open. They're so welcoming. I mean, just a simple, simple phrase, um, which literally means come sit down, join us and eat. I have no idea who you are, but sit down and eat with me and my family. And that is, it's heartfelt. It's not a throwaway thing. And it's so hard to find other countries, cultures that, that have that. So going back, have I explored my cultures? I've explored Australia more since I've been away than when I lived there as a kid. Burma, Myanmar, I've been back to once with, uh, uh, with my mom and my brother. And my mother continues to tell us more stories and her history of growing up in Burma and, you know, going through photos. And now as we've gotten a little bit older, uh, I think my brother and I are, are a little bit more receptive to you know, looking at those photos and listening to those stories and finding out more about about the country. But when we went there, it was it was fascinating, truly, yeah. truly fascinating. Burma has a huge, has a very rich spiritual heritage. I mean, I tried to go there once, but then there was some tension in that area and they wouldn't let us in. But I did have a friend who went in and he just, you know, he went to visit monks and he went from mm -hmm. from the different temples, I guess you call them, yeah. or monasteries. Yeah. And he was just yep. living with them. And he really had some very interesting experiences in Burma. I believe it's a, it's very, very powerful energy um, in that space. And it's very close. It's very close to some beautiful mountain ranges in that area, right? Close to Nepal, close to China. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, I think there's a, China, Thailand. There's a lot of trekking in uh, the area. There is, um, but it, most there aren't a lot of people that do the, the trekking in the mountains of, uh, of Burma because 
uh, whilst the, the main tourist areas have opened up uh, quite a bit, uh, the mountain ranges less so. From what I understand, you sometimes have to be careful because there's still, you know, like some warlords and everything hiding in the mountains. And yeah, but, uh, but definitely, I mean, Buddhism is, is, a, is a huge deal in Burma. My, my great-grandmother um, was, uh, was very, very Buddhist. My, my grandfather actually also, and, and to, a, to a degree, my dad. And now my mother, whilst not Buddhist, is a very much a believer in the philosophy of Buddhism rather than the religion. And I see that more like a, uh, a philosophy, but uh, something that you see a lot of. It's not, it's not something that people just do one day a week. It's something they live throughout the week. It's something that every Burmese boy generally has to do at some stage in his life, you know, become a monk for, uh, I'm not sure how long, maybe a year or two. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about these moral philosophies that you talked mm -hmm. about, that you looked at a variety of different religions or maybe spiritual disciplines and kind mm -hmm. of pulled together what works for you. Tell me about your philosophy. What is the moral philosophy that guides your life? Well, it, it's quite simple. Um, I do believe in karma. I like to believe in the concept of karma. And in line with that, the, uh, at least from the, the, the Christian text, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, I think is, is for me the number one lesson to be brought out of that. It's all about treating other people with respect, you know, the same way that you would want to be treated. And in line with that, I've got things like, okay, you know, treat your, you know, treat your girlfriends the same way you would want someone to treat your mother. Like treat them with the same level of respect that you would want someone to, you know, other people to treat your mother. And it's okay, do, do what you want as long as no one's getting hurt, including yourself. And I mean, not just physically, but also emotionally. As much as possible, you are on this planet to bring happiness and joy to others and not cause any pain. It's something that has, I guess, matured over the years, my, my belief system, whilst those core beliefs were always around. As I've gotten older, I've, I've gotten onto a little bit more of a, of a self-improvement and a self-introspection kick to try and become the best version of myself. And whilst before it was just like, okay, just, you know, be nice to everyone, you know, try and, you know, be, be friends to everyone. But then there's also sometimes when you can also be too nice. I had a discussion with a friend recently and they're like, oh, you know, you, you uh, uh, you're always so nice that, you know, like, you know, you, you can't do anything wrong. That's like, no, but you can also be too nice. I've had situations where I have been too nice and I've been too nice and maybe spoiled a friend by helping them too much, so much so that they don't, that they don't help themselves. Right. We and enable in, in, people. We enable exactly. people sometimes instead of helping them. Exactly. So if you're too nice, you can also be an enabler, which doesn't help people in the long run. So if that's really your goal that you want to help, then you need to be hyper self-aware of what you're doing and the effect that you're having if you truly want to, to help someone. It's a bit of mindfulness, Mark, and a little bit of boundaries, would you say? Like being aware of the impact of every action you choose to have while at the mm -hmm. same time having those boundaries where you know, you know, at which point you have to say no or at which point yeah. it's too much and you're doing more harm than good. So is yeah. that kind of what you're, what you're saying as well? Yes, yes, very much. And it, it can be a, a difficult realization to, to come to if, if you're 
if your personal philosophy is like, oh, I want to help people, and to be actual, come to the actually come to the point where you're like, okay, but to really help, then I need to stop helping for them. this particular person. Yeah, in in this particular situation, which is really interesting, Mark, because if you put that in context with the Filipino culture, right? The、mm-hmm. the culture here is about helping your family, right? You have、yes. usually one person earning a lot of money for the rest of the family. The breadwinner. Right, and it's not uncommon that the minute you know one person has a good job or a promotion, then other family members will come in to ask for help. And it's cultural; it's not something like offensive. It's just sort of the the normal thing to do, right?、Yes. And、um, I've worked with a lot of people on this because at some point it becomes too much. Like you're giving, 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 and then there's nothing、mm-hmm. left for yourself. And in fact, you start to resent the people that you're trying to help. And so I have to do a lot of work with my、um, with my clients, with people I work with on my healing and my coaching sessions. That it's okay to say no at some point, you know, and it's okay to stabilize yourself to make sure you have enough, and then help others. And in fact, in in、uh, some of the podcasts that I've already done as well, I've talked to some of our guests about, you know, at, at It's also about taking care of yourself and making sure you're in a place to help other people. Because if you're giving,、yeah. giving, giving, and you've got nothing left, then you're going to be bitter, miserable, and resentful, and then you can't really help anyone else after that. Exactly. That's、uh, that's exactly the point. I mean, it's the the discussion of the family social structure here in the Philippines and how quite often it is. It feels like the obligation of the person that earns to support the rest of the family is, and I don't know if I, I may get some flack for this, but it's something that I don't necessarily agree with because I don't feel it's it's sustainable, <clears throat> because it it then teaches sadly a lot of the people that they don't need to take care of themselves, they don't need to necessarily look for work, they can just you know rely on this one person, and as you said, you know they end up resenting. Their family, which no one wants, no one wants to resent. No,、family. of course but, not. But then also sometimes, you know, like the breadwinner will will then, you know, maybe get married and start their own family, and then, you know, they need to support their own family.、Uh, but then they'll feel guilty because, you know, maybe, you know, some of the other family members are giving them a hard time. Oh, you know, we need help for this, 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 that, and the other. It's important to help people that really need help, but only to the point where. They start to help themselves. If you don't see them helping themselves, then you need to start cutting back a bit until they get to the point of realization. Like, okay, well, I can't just rely on the breadwinner of the family to support me. I need to be proactive in doing something myself. I agree with that, and I think you and I can both agree that the intention behind it is really beautiful.、Mm-hmm. It's about yes, help, absolutely, and sharing. But I、mm-hmm. do think that, like you said, at some point. Helping someone is really about teaching them how to do it for themselves, right? And that's also、yeah. kind of what we're doing here on the podcast. Is you know we're sharing stories and perspectives, which are really about helping other people do things in a better way. You know, do things in a way that they're a little bit more aware of the impact they're having, and、um, how better to help themselves than other people. Yes, I agree completely. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So, Mark, you were talking about your different philosophies and how in when you were younger, it was really about being a good person. That's what I got mm-hmm. from you. you were talking about, you know, how to be respectful and the things that you were practicing, which is just, you know, be a good person. But as you grew older, you started to think about a little bit more. You started to think about the environment. You started to think about other people and boundaries mm-hmm. and so on. So tell me, how did your choice of moral philosophy, how you pulled together kind of that direction or what was guiding you in your life, how did that lead you into your love for the environment and nature and and really what has come to become some very um, important advocacies for you? I feel like a lot of the things that uh, that we learn and uh, the the personal philosophies that we that we come up with are often dependent on what we were exposed to at a young age. I was lucky enough, as I said, to, uh, to grow up in East Africa for a while. So I was exposed to going on safaris on weekends, on, uh, you know, going sailing and, and diving uh, when we're not going on, on safaris. And so I was always outside. I was always in nature. Now, this is a time before the internet, before iPhones, iPads and, and you know, laptops and everything. So apart from books, which I, which I read voraciously, was just being stuck in the great outdoors. And I learned to love it. I really, really appreciated it. My parents were both uh, dive instructors. And so when we moved here to the Philippines at a young age, uh, they taught me how to dive when I was very young. And so being able to see the underwater world as well just blew me away. And you know, seeing all of these, in- these incredible creatures and, and everything. And, uh, but my, my parents would always be, you know, very wary and say, okay, you know, make sure you don't touch, you know, the coral or anything like that, because, you know, uh, you know, it could break off, you know, you can uh, harm it. And it made me aware that, okay, well, I don't want to damage anything, because if I if I break it, it's going to take a long time to grow back, then, you know, the other people won't be able to appreciate it. And or if that's, you know, if that's, a, if that's a creature's home, I, I wouldn't want, you know, someone coming and stomping on my house kind of thing. And then flash forward, uh, when I went back to Australia, I did take some uh, environmental uh, courses in school, both in high school and then also in university. And in Australia, they're, they're very aware of the environment. They have been for a long time. Way back then, we were talking a lot about the hole in the ozone layer, which was pretty much on top of Australia. 
And so everyone's like, okay, you've got to be aware of the ozone layer. You know, you, uh, the CFCs, the chlorofluorocarbon, you know, gases, and you know, the heating up of the atmosphere, and and all of this stuff was something we were very aware of at a young age. But the important thing that uh, hit me later on is the time frame that they were using. They were saying, you know what? If we don't slow down on all of these emissions, then in another hundred years then you know the sea levels are going to rise and uh we're going to have you know like it, it, things will get hotter and we'll have more drastic you know uh weather events and there'll be droughts and there'll be floods and all of these things all of these cataclysmic sounding things right now if there was something like wow yeah that would be that would really suck for our kids or our grandkids and then flash forward a, a couple of decades and i'm seeing all of these things i remember reading about in school happening within like 20 or 30 years. Yeah. And it's happened so much faster than we imagined back then. Yeah. And seeing it happen in front of your face is is debilitating. And back then we weren't even concerned about plastic yet. Uh plastic was just was something convenient. Oh wow, you know, Tupperware, great. You know, you can use it, reuse it and all that. But seeing a lot of the places I used to go diving or the beaches that I used to visit as a kid and then coming back to the Philippines now and going to the same places and just seeing how littered they are with plastic trash to see, you know, the, the pollution and everything from a firsthand experience, it really hit me hard because within, you know, the space of my short experience of lifetime, I've seen such drastic changes. So I know that before the end of my days, by the time, you know, like if I have kids, what once once they get to my age, I shudder to think what the world would be like then, because everything is moving so much faster as well. I remember when I was in school, I was studying CFCs and it was all about like aerosol, right? Like we were yeah. supposed to we were making the move from aerosol to the pump. And we did that yep. and then it was like I remember the the cans of soda with the the six pack and how fish mm -hmm. were getting caught. And then yep. I started to cut, like they said, you cut each of the circles. Yep. You know what I'm talking about, right? The six. Yes. Yeah, pack. yeah, yeah. The six pack. Yeah, the ring. Yeah. We still have it in the Philippines, the six pack. But anyways, so I would cut that, and then of course it was the the plastic, and you know, in in most other countries they have a a proper recycling program, but mm -hmm. here we we don't really have anything reliable and you know I, I i shudder to think what we're gonna see in our lifetime you know and for yeah. me nature is something that has been giving to us all our life i love the beach you know i love trees and nature i remember going to glacier national park i don't know if you've heard mm -hmm. of uh, in it's in uh, montana in the united states and people from all over the U.S. come in to Glacier National Park to see the glaciers, except now mm -hmm. you can barely see them because they're all melted. And just from one year to another year, the rate at which they're melting, some of these glaciers don't have ice anymore. And that's just incredible because probably there will be no Glacier National Park in a decade because they'll all be melted. And kids will go to the Glacial National Park and just think, oh, it's a name. And then there'll be a signpost that said, oh, the reason this is called because, you know, back in the in the 2000s, there were actually glaciers on these mountains. Yeah. <laughs> actually, they have they have things like that already now, because when I went, 
they showed what it looked like one year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, and you could see how much it had deteriorated. So, I mean, these are things that are happening in our lifetime. A lot is happening in our lifetime. It's, it's been very it's, eventful. It's been interesting. What do you think, Mark, of what is happening with the environment and nature since the pandemic started? I mean, do you agree that there's something bigger going on than what we might immediately understand? I mean, was there a reason to all of this from your perspective? What do you think? Whilst I don't necessarily believe this is nature's way of getting back at us, so to speak, I do believe that we, that what we have done to nature has precipitated the set of conditions that made a virus like pandemic very likely. So we so, are responsible. We are definitely responsible in a big way for allowing this to happen. But perhaps not, you know, necessarily by the way many people might think, because it's it's an environmental cause of we're cutting down so much habitat, there's so much animal habitat loss that uh, wild animals are being forced to live closer and closer to humans and also to domestic animals. So this virus is a, it's a zootic virus, which means it's, trans, it's been transferred from animals to humans. Now, the closer that wild animals get to be in touch with humans and domestic animals, the more likely that these sorts of uh, viruses will be transferred. So the fact that we have less wild spaces, because, you know, whether we, we be chopping down forests, we're moving, you know, uh, uh, domestic animals in, people are, are, you know, using exotic animals as, as, a, as a meat source, uh, as a food source, simply because they, they encroach further and further into the wild, then these sorts of situations are like more likely to happen than if we left, okay, well, you know, we'll leave nature over there and then we'll, we'll, you know, we'll stay over here kind of thing. When there's less interaction, then there's less chance for this sort of thing to happen. So in that regard that, yes, I do believe that uh, we as, as a species have are a lot to blame for what's happening now. These viruses have always been out there. They, they will continue to be there, but if we can avoid them, from transferring in the first place, then hopefully we're less likely to have any more pandemics like this. <clears throat> Again, that's my personal opinion. Now, as far as how nature has benefited, definitely we're seeing uh, cleaner skies, cleaner seas. Uh, I know here around my household, you know, I've, there are a lot more birds, you know, like uh, around the, the skies are clearer. It's, you know, it's much easier to breathe. And I love all of that, but hey, I hate to be a Debbie Downer. On the flip side, the environment is also suffering greatly from the pandemic in so far as uh, poaching is concerned. So illegal fishing, because there aren't enough patrol boats out there to try and stop them. Illegal poaching, because due to the virus there and the lack of funds and lack of tourism dollars, there aren't enough rangers to go out there and stop the poachers. And in fact, in some very extreme cases, some rangers are forced to turn to poaching in order to feed their, uh, their families. Illegal logging, because there are less people out to police as well. Uh, a lot of farmers and, and everything in certain areas are cutting down, cutting down trees, not only for the wood, but then also to clear land for, uh, for cattle grazing and everything. So 
there's been a huge uptick this year in all of those, like higher than they have in, in recent years. And it's directly attributable to uh, the fact that everyone's, you know, on lockdown at home and not enough money around for, for protecting the environment, which is very sad. So there's an upside and then there's also a downside. We'll be right back with more after a short message from Podcast Network Asia. Hi, my name is Jelly Victor. And I'm JC Alanis. Do check out the Parenting Podcast, Real Parents Facing Modern Problems Together. This is brought to you by YF Nutrition Parent Team and Podcast Network Asia. You know, uh, I read exactly about what you're saying on um, National Geographic. They called it anthropause. So anthropause is a technical term to describe mm -hmm. this unprecedented halt in human movement and activity across the globe that's caused by this pandemic. And so mm -hmm. the positive is definitely that the environment is thriving in a way that it hasn't been able to before. But at the same time, our absence in some situations or in some areas is causing the economic hardships and then the poaching and all these wildlife crimes. So it's a bit of both, you know, but mm -hmm. they're calling this the anthropause, which is like the new term for it, which is so interesting that you mentioned that because that's literally what's, what's been talked, being talked about right now, that it's not all good. It's not all bad. It's somewhere in between, but what, what kind of lessons have you taken from the the pandemic, the quarantine? How has it affected your life? How has it maybe changed your life? How has it changed the way you're living your life? Well, I'm certainly traveling a lot less. My my job actually is all about travel. I, I, I host a travel show. My girlfriend lives on the other side of the planet. My parents live in Australia. My family lives in Australia. So I'm always kind of on the go. So this, this forced pause in traveling has well number one it's made me appreciate my home so much more and the first few weeks i have to admit it was like it was kind of like a oh okay now i'm forced to sit still and relax for a while which i i think actually you know maybe my 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 body needed a little bit it's changed my schedule and changed my routine very very much i mean being at home honestly i feel i feel very 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 thankful that I have a home, I have a garden, you know, I have, I have room. I do feel very, very bad for a lot of the people that don't have the luxury of space during something like a lockdown. So in that regard, I am extremely lucky. The downside, of course, is that none of my loved ones are here. So I'm not, <laughs> I don't have, you know, loved ones to, to, to hug or to hold or, or anything. And there's, there's a new study going out about uh, skin hunger, the fact that uh, your body craves physical interaction not just a like you know a distant hi hello but like actual hugs touch. um touch yeah touch and i'm i'm naturally a like a an affectionate you know huggy kind of person to my friends and my family and very affectionate uh, uh with my i partner. love that i love that mark you're naturally a huggy person to your friends <laughs> absolutely but yeah now i can't i mean if if i happen to to see them and it's like at most, they might get an elbow bump, but that's it. Usually it's just like, hey, you know. So that was a, that was a big change for me. On the positive side, I would say that uh, I'm, I'm meditating a lot more. It's, it's really become part of a daily routine rather than something I would do when I remembered, like, you know, maybe once or twice a week. I am appreciating the downtime, the quiet. Something my mother 
I'm sure is so, so happy about is that I am waking up a lot earlier in the mornings now. I've always liked early mornings, like the few times when I've, I'm like, wow, this is a really nice time of the day. I should get up more off, early more often, but I never did. I was a that's night owl. The, that's the conversation I have with myself a lot. I love those early mornings, but then, you know, the late nights, and then it just kind of throws you off every once in a while. Exactly. And I had lived, I had lived most of my life thinking that I'm a night owl. So, you know, like I stay up late, I'd sleep somewhere between 12 and between midnight and 2 a.m. usually. And that was just normal. You know, that's when I would do my work, when I'd be on the computer, when I'd be answering emails and everything. And then I would, yeah, I would sleep, you know, six to eight hours and wake up at normal time, you know, sometimes even double digits. Well, when I, when I was a teenager, I definitely liked sleeping until uh, double digits. But now I'm waking up. 6 a.m. most mornings, sometimes earlier, sometimes a little bit later, if I'd had a particularly tiring day. But I get up, I go on my balcony, I enjoy the birds, I do my meditation, and it's, it's a, the most beautiful time of the day. So that, for me, is one huge positive I've gotten out of this, and it's something that I want to try and maintain. But then I've had lots of time to focus on things that I always thought I didn't have time to do before. Now I have nothing but the luxury of time. The fact that, I mean, you're doing a podcast now. I'm doing a couple of podcasts, something that uh, my buddy Ravils and I have been talking about for a while. And then finally we're like, oh, well, we've got time. Let's do it now. And that, and then also, well, I know you, you talk about uh, your coaching and it's something that I've been interested in for a while. So, but I was like, okay, I've been wanting to take this meta coaching course, but you know, I, I don't have the time right now. When I have time, I'll do it. And then I have time, so I'm doing it. Is this the, very, it's the Deepak Chopra, the meta coaching, or it's this is uh, the NLP, NLP, the okay. neuro, yeah, neuro, neuro, neuro linguistic programming. programming. Yeah, yeah, I'm a I'm a uh, clinical hypnotherapist as well, so very familiar with NLP. Okay, so yeah, it's something, and I because I feel that especially now there are going to be so many people, whether they be those close to you or not so close to you, or even maybe perfect strangers, that will need someone to talk to, that will need someone to help them accept and wrap their heads around and navigate their way through what this particular time in our lives is all about. So if if I'm used to helping the environment or I'm used to you know helping with kids' education or, or disaster relief, this is the current disaster that I see looming that will need immediate help. And so I just want to be better equipped to do that. And thankfully, now I have the time to try and work on that. So there are definitely positives. Uh, on top of all of the negatives that I won't even begin to mention because every, everyone else is experiencing it as well. But uh, yeah, there are positives. Was it hard, Mark, to be alone at home for that long? Actually, it wasn't as hard as I thought it might be. I, I've always been, you know, very outgoing, gregarious, and I love being around friends. And, and in that regard, I guess, to a certain extent, an extrovert. But I've learned to appreciate the, uh, the introvert lifestyle a little bit more uh, now of basically being able to recharge on my own and focus inwardly. Full disclosure, I'm not completely alone. My maid is here. Uh, she lives, you know, she's, I asked her to, at the beginning of quarantine, if she'd be willing to like move into the maid's uh, room. 
and thankfully she said yes but you know i i see her maybe for like five or ten minutes a day she spends most of the time you know like in the, in the garden and i'll be in my room my balcony or or here in the dining room i found that it's very important to keep in contact with loved ones i make it a point to facetime with my girlfriend at least once a day usually twice a day uh talking to my family in australia every now and again spending time with my cats but just being having the luxury of being alone and being able to do what I feel I need to do or want to do without necessarily being beholden to other people to spend time with has been refreshing, actually, because I've always been, yeah, out there and on the go and around people. So, yeah, I have liked it. That being said, I am very, very, very ready for my girlfriend to fly in and, and, and keep me company here, although I have no idea when that'll happen. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. My parents live in Dubai. My brother, my sister-in-law, and two nieces live in New York. I mean, we're just you know so far away from each other, and I don't see travel bringing us closer anytime soon. So I completely um, understand, you know, your your perspective. And I think that for a lot of people, this has been difficult in a sense that without having that touch and, you know, the individuals that that you're used to meeting on a daily basis mm -hmm. or connecting with, it has been definitely um, not easy for everybody. And I've kind of heard both sides of it. For some people, it's those people who went into self-exploration, those who started to meditate, started to appreciate nature, they definitely fared better than mm. other people who got really, you know, anxious and stressed out. And they really gave into all the fear and the uncertainty and they went the completely other direction. So I do see that how you chose, how we chose to react to the pandemic and this new set of circumstances really determined how our mindset and our outlook mm -hmm. came to be from that and how well we fared. So, so congratulations on actually looking at this as an opportunity, as a time to, you know, go inward. And I know you said you started to meditate more. So tell me a little mm -hmm. bit more about your meditation practice. How, how much time do you spend meditating? What do you do? And if you can share with our listeners any tips um, on meditating, yeah. since it's definitely something a lot of people are interested in more so today than ever. Well, it's, it's something that I've been wanting to do for a few years because I've read so much about the benefits of it, but I always had such an incredibly difficult time doing it. I, I suffer, like I'm sure a lot of people do, uh, from what I call monkey mind. It's like, it's, it's always working. It's always thinking. It's always, you know, like there's, there's a hundred thousand things it's thinking of at the same time. And I can go off on any tangent. I mean, anytime if, you know, like if my girlfriend says, so what are you thinking about? It's like, you don't really want me to tell you what I'm thinking about. She's no, no, tell you. And then I'll, I'll go on for five minutes on this grand tirade of, you know, that goes from, you know, that starts at coffee cups, you know, takes a left at dinosaurs and, and ends up, you know, on, on an airplane. It's, it's really bizarre where my mind will go sometimes. But uh, yeah, so being able to sit still and just think of nothing, so to speak, let your mind relax and go blank was very hard. So I was like, okay, I tried to do it on my own, didn't work. Okay, so try a few different apps. And uh, people said, okay, you know, maybe, you know, you try the chanting or you try the guided meditation. And they helped. 
until I found, I think the number one tip I would give someone is to try different types of meditation. And for me, what works is a guided meditation, but one without so much of the visualization, which I really have trouble with. The whole, you know, like imagine a light coming down and entering and filling your body. I have a very difficult time visualizing that. For me, a visualization needs to be something that I've experienced before in order to really picture it clearly enough to take my mind off other things. But um, I found that uh, recently in the last couple of months, a meditation on YouTube. So it costs nothing at all. It's free. It's a young couple. They go by the name Boho Beautiful. Um, the girl does guided meditations that are between 10 and 16 minutes long. They are simple. She has the most calming voice I've ever heard in my life. And that never fails to just bring me down into a sense of calm. It's very easy to follow and easy for my mind to sort of just switch off and follow her directions and her mantras and everything. So it took a while to get to that point. And now instead of a, ch a chore of thinking, okay, all right, I should really do a meditation. It's like I get up in the morning, I'm like, ooh, okay, I'm going to go do a meditation now. <laughs> and quite a few, quite often, like this morning, I'll, I'll do two. I'll do back-to-back -back meditations. I just feel like, oh, this is so, ah, oh, it feels so good. I'm going to do another one. <laughs> it's truly amazing. And believe it or not, my favorite place to meditate is in my hammock, which is, I don't know if that's normal. I know you're supposed to normally be sitting upright, but I found that my hammock when at the right angle is just the perfect spot to really relax. It's almost like being like returning to the womb kind of thing because you're sort of being hugged by a hammock. Actually, um, a lot of meditations are done that way in sort of that womb fetal position. In fact, there is a technique called rebirthing and it's a mm -hmm. breathing technique. It's a meditative breathing technique and it's actually done in a womb sort of that curved position. So I completely get that. But I'm guessing your hammock is outside? Yes, it is. Yeah, because I think that's the key for you. It's not really the visualization. It's being out in nature and being around kind of the world, the earth. And that's what does it for you. That's what gives you yeah. that, you know, that connection. How do you feel after uh, a meditation? Very relaxed and, yeah, happier. So that's usually the time where I'll pick up my notebook and I'll just write down and this is, I know it's a very common practice, but it's one I've only started in the last couple of months, uh, write down five things that I'm thankful for. So in order to start my day, because I think, especially now during these trying times, it's so easy to lose sight of the good in, in our life. If we're so focused, you know, in the news and social media and everything we hear and, you know, the things we, we think about are also negative that we sometimes forget to appreciate the good things in our life. And it could be something simple. It could be like, oh, you know, it's a beautiful sunny morning. I appreciate, you know, like I'm thankful that it is a beautiful morning. You know, I'm thankful that, you know, I can hear the birds sing. I'm thankful that, you know, I've got a cup of coffee or it could be, you know, bigger things. Like I'm thankful for my health. I'm thankful that I have a, you know, like a, a roof over my head. I'm thankful that my family are, are well. I'm thankful that my partner loves me. All of these things are are both small and very large things to be thankful for. They're, no matter how bad the world is or how bad we, we think it is, it's amplified by a lot of things going around us and I guess the, the different inputs that we're getting throughout the day, which sadly at this time are mainly negative, right. that it's so easy to forget 
the positive and there is so much positive in everyone's life you know the fact that you you know are able to find a moment to meditate or even to sit down and write means that there are some things going well in your life you know, I, I have this big smile on your face as you're saying this, Mark, because I do these um, weekly videos on, on IGTV and every week I pick a different po topic. And you know what is the topic of my video that's releasing tonight? It's gratitude. What? And literally everything <laughs> I've said is in my video and I talk about the gratitude journal and the five things. That's all it takes sometimes is five things and it can be as small as thank you for the air in my lungs. Thank you for that yes. cup of coffee, you know, and it could be also, you know, thank you for my family and my children and for, you know, everything that I have. And so it doesn't really matter how big or small these things are in our life. It's just that by paying attention to that and being grateful, we are actually in this vibration of gratitude. And that in itself brings in a lot into our life because it, it makes it easier, easier for us to accept and to receive and we can focus on the things that bring us joy and happiness instead of all that negativity that we're seeing sometimes in the news or in social media. So exactly what you said, you know, spot on. Um, so thank you for sharing that, you know, with You're everyone. You're welcome. Yeah. So meditation, what else do you do? What else do you do to to take care of your well-being? I know you. we started this um, conversation where you talked about how well-being is a very big priority for you. Mm -hmm. So what else do you do in your daily practice or what are those efforts that you make to, to take care of yourself, to love yourself and to, to connect with sort of that inner, inner reality that we all have within us? Well, the, there's, I mean, taking care of yourself is, uh, should be a, a holistic approach insofar as it's, uh, it's not just physical, it's not just mental, it's not just emotional it's it's a totality of everything and so if you're talking about taking care of yourself you need to take care of the physical so you need to take care of your health so that's you know it's eating right making sure you get the you know the right vitamins exercising all of those those things that you need to take care of the the body that you know you inhabit yeah. mentally you need to make sure that you keep your 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 mental self stimulated but then not overstimulated with, uh, with the negative that can bring you down. And it, this is tied very closely, of course, to the emotional health, where, I mean, everyone talks about uh, mental health. And whilst before this, you know, people, mental health was something that uh, was a concern of other people, generally. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, someone has mental health. Oh, they're, they're, they're bipolar, or they have depression, or they have this. But now it's, it's the regular person, the average Joe that is suffering from mental health issues because they're under this inordinate amount of stress. You know, you know, they've lost their job. They don't know where the next work's coming from. They're, they're you know, like a family member is in hospital. They're not sure if they're, they're going to be positive. They don't know, you know, what the future is going to hold. All of these things puts more stress on a person. This is, it's similar to, to PTSD. It, it's like being in a war zone almost, the, the levels of stress and uncertainty that, uh, that come with it. So learning to take care of that is very important. So, and of course, because this also, the stress affects your immune system, which then is affecting your physical health as well, which make, you know, makes me a little bit more susceptible to certain things. So to help take care of my immune uh, health, I always uh, make sure I take uh, the proper vitamins, which is a lot of vitamin C and then D and zinc. 
I have to take care of my gut health as well by drinking probiotics, uh, you know, whether it be kombucha or another like sort of probiotic drink, you know, maybe even a little bit of yogurt. I also take care of my physical health by exercising. I, I do weights. I don't like running or anything. So I do weights. In, and if, if I'm not doing a, a weight session, then I'll do, you know, push-ups, pull-ups or, you know, some ab workout, workouts. I take care of what I eat. Admittedly, sometimes I eat junk. I had pizza for dinner last night and it was awesome. But I do intermittent fasting which I find really does help. There are a lot of, everyone thinks of intermittent fasting and they think, oh, it's a great way to lose weight. Yeah, the weight, the, the weight loss in the beginning is a, is a beneficial side effect. But the real reason you should be doing intermittent fasting is get rid of, you know, like a lot of the, the, dead, cell, uh, the dead cells and everything and boost your immune system. And so that's why I started doing uh, intermittent fasting and, and I love it. And I, I continue to do it every single day. I think I've only broken it once in in the last four months, one day, because I happened to be somewhere and the breakfast was really good. And I'm like, okay, once. This is just last week, actually. <laughs> but then, you know, I, I eat, you know, salads and fruits and, and everything. I cook at home most of the time. Although I do have a bunch of, you know, wonderful people and friends and everything that feel like they need to send me food all the time which is greatly appreciated, very, very delicious, but I, I, need, to, I need to focus on my own. It's one of the things I love about the Filipino culture. Everyone wants to feed you. And, you know, it's amazing. You feel so good when you get all this food, but then after eating it, I'm like, oh, my, <laughs> I shouldn't have eaten I've, I've had to politely turn down and refuse so many offers of food. When people say, oh, can I send you cinnamon rolls? Oh, can I send you ube pandasa? Oh, can I send you these cakes? Can I? And I'm like, thank you, but no. <laughs> yeah, I try. I try and avoid sugar as much as possible. I know sugar is is as far as uh, refined sugar, as far as foods go, is probably the greatest evil out there. So For as much sure. as possible, I avoid it. And you know, I, I don't have a sweet tooth. But if if you know, I happen to be at a friend's place or someone sends me something over, I'm not going to not eat it because yeah, again, it's balance. So yeah, that's kind of how I take care of myself. Oh, I also do breathing exercises, uh, the Wim Hof method. Not every day, but maybe like, you know, three times a week, just to hopefully give my immune system an extra little boost. And I take cold showers every day, uh, which is something I've gotten very used to. And what, why, why cold showers? Well, cold showers are supposed to um, shock your system a little bit shock your system so that uh, you're it's more able to cope with stress and on top of that it's also supposed to be better for your skin okay wow it's it looks like you really have your whole mind body energy completely in line i mean you're doing everything possible to keep yourself in sort of that best best physical mental and emotional health which is amazing what is your advice to people out there like how do people create this kind of a lifestyle for themselves? Like, how do they find that balance? And also, second part of my question, Mark, is I, I think what you said about the environment and sort of connecting with nature was really important too. And for me, that's really part of mind-body energy health as well. You know, that yes. that's a really integral part of it. So what would you, what would be your message or your advice to our listeners out there? How do they create this kind of a life? How do they project love myself the way you do? Uh, well, I think it, uh, it boils down to just having a little bit of dedication. It's, it's 
creating a mindset where you're not necessarily giving yourself too many other choices or options. It's so easy to procrastinate. I'm guilty of it. Everyone's guilty of it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But it's you need to try and find the benefit because that's what's going to try and keep you on the straight and narrow a little bit a little bit longer. For me, meditation, finding the right meditation is what helped me want to do it every morning. For exercise, you need it's always better to look towards a goal rather than away from a negative. It's like rather than saying, okay, I want to exercise so that, you know, I, I don't become, you know, like uh, overweight, right? You should instead think of, I want to exercise because I want to get in shape. I want to lead a healthier lifestyle. I want to, so you, you, it's a positive thing to move towards and nice. then so, set aside. So yeah, setting goals, set aside, right, Mark? Setting, setting goals, goals. Being very clear about those goals and not trying to kind of get away from your old self or losing the weight or, you know, thinking about what other people are thinking when they're looking at you. So it's more about what you want to reach for. Yes. And also breaking things down into manageable chunks, but then setting a goal of self-improvement. So I'll give you an example. A couple of years ago, I was like, okay, I would like to be able to do 100 push-ups in one go. The most I can do right now is eh, maybe like 35 or 40. Okay. How am I going to do this? Okay, well, I'll start with that. I'll start with the 40, and I'll do the 40. And then I'll do the, the 40 every day. And then at the end of a week, I'm like, okay, the 40 seems a little easier. All right, I'm going to do 45 now. And you do that for a few weeks. And then you're like, okay, now I'm going to go for 50. And whenever you get to a point where it's like, oh, you do it enough till to the point where you're like, okay, now I can do more. And then within a few months, I was like, okay, done. I'm at 100. So it doesn't have to be all or nothing straight away. It can be a gradual increase. And that is a lot more realistic, I think, for a lot of people. So if people, are, for instance, you know, want to exercise, don't go balls out because then you're just going to quit. You'll give up if it's way too big or it's too daunting or too intimidating. So I yes. guess like definitely not to bite off more than we can chew, but to take, you know, take it step by step. Take it step by step, even with intermittent fasting, which I highly recommend for everyone. And one of the reasons is because it is so easy. You don't have to start with 16 hours. You know, you start maybe with 12 hours and, you know, then you increase it to 14 and then you then you increase it to 16. And when it becomes part of your routine, it's just you realize, well, all I'm really doing is is skipping breakfast. Yeah. So I just I wake up in the morning and then I do my meditation. I write my notes and I occupy myself with other things and maybe have some black coffee. And next thing you know, it's it's midday and it's time for lunch and I've finished 16 hours. What do you know? And also, I mean, when you start feeling benefits as well. So, I mean, for me, I get mental clarity when I do intermittent fasting as well in a fasted state. And for me, that's a benefit. It's like, okay, I, w I would like to keep that morning mental clarity. So I will continue doing that. You know, in meditation, um, they're, the monks, that's what they would do. They would fast and then meditate. And every time you get to that state where your body is no longer digesting any food, it's just empty, you actually reach a higher state of meditation. In fact, I'm a big fan of intermittent fasting as well. I did it mm -hmm. last year for six months, but I like to do cleanses as well. 
So yeah. I don't know if you've heard of something called the the master cleanse or the lemonade cleanse. Mm -hmm. What happens is you go 10 days without any food in your body. You're mm -hmm. just drinking a concoction of maple syrup, cayenne pepper, organic lemons, and water. Okay, And that's yep. all you're having for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, you have not had a single morsel of food. And it's trippy because you feel like the lightest, obviously, because there's nothing in your body. You've basically taken everything out over the course of 10 days, and it hasn't been pretty. But mm -hmm. you try to meditate at that stage and you're having these crazy transcendental experiences. And, you know, so I'm a mm. healer and I've worked with clients at that, you know, day nine, day 10, all the way to about, you know, day 15 of that master cleanse. And the kind of things that I've been able to do in that state has just been so tremendous and beautiful. So our body does really well when we give our our, our body actually the, the chance to clean up and to fix and balance whatever is going on in the body. And that's what intermittent does is it yeah. extends the amount of time your body has to go through the balancing and the cleansing and the regulating, which is what makes it really effective. And I've actually been grappled, like I've been dabbling in a little bit of intermittent in the last couple of months, but after talking to you, I'm so going completely, you know, intermittent for the next, uh, you know, however, however many months that I'm going to do it, but I'm definitely inspired. To or, do years. or years. Or years. Or years. Honestly, it is a lifestyle. I do believe it's a lifestyle. Yeah. And I know a lot of people that this is just their norm. You know? That's my norm. Yeah. I've been doing it for, for at least a couple of years now. And it's, it's so easy. And that's one of the great things I like about it. It's, it's a social way of, of adjusting your eating habits because you know it's rare that you actually have breakfast with people i mean like socially apart from your perhaps your family but you know lunches and dinners if people are on whilst this is a lifestyle the other people that are on diet to say oh if i go out to dinner oh oh yeah but i'm keto i can't eat that or i'm vegan i can't eat that and and whilst i admire the uh, vegetarian vegan lifestyle i do still eat meat although i am trying to eat more plant-based now but um yeah if i go out for dinner, I don't feel guilty every now and again of eating whatever's put in front of me. I know because I know that it'll get fully digested over the 16 hours. Uh, it usually takes, uh, I think, is it 10 to 12 hours to digest food. So after that, it'll digest the food and then it'll the next four to six hours that I'm fasting, it'll start, you know, cannibalizing old, you know, dead cells and, and all the useless stuff that my body doesn't really need anymore. And so that I know that I am flushing out the system. I haven't done the master cleanse, but I have done a couple of uh, of three day uh, water cleanses. Water cleanses. Uh, just fasting, just uh, yeah, drinking water only. And I must admit, my skin looked amazing. It and I just felt so much lighter and cleaner and everything after it. Your mind gets sharper and it actually slows down the aging process too. So the whole idea of fasting is actually something that our people, you could say, have been doing for centuries. And it's built into different religion and different cultures. And really, it is all about giving your body that break that it needs. Mm -hmm. So, absolutely. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Yeah. Okay, I have a few more questions. Honestly, I could go on for hours asking you questions because you really, I can totally relate to what you're saying and it's so similar to a lot of the things that I, I believe in. But of course, the okay. show always has to come to an end. So I have a few more questions for you. Tell me about stress. Is stress a big deal for you? And how do you deal with it? I, When a lot of people ask me, um, maintain you know, like a, a youthful, you know, outlook and everything. I always say it's a low stress lifestyle. So as much as possible, I try to keep a low stress lifestyle. I'm not always successful. You know, I'm, I'm human just like everyone else. So I do get stressed and it's usually silly little things that stress me out. It's, you know, people driving like idiots in traffic, you know, that, that stresses me out, you know, people who, you know, like lack common sense or yeah. When people do things that lack common sense, that, it is an annoyance and a, and, a, and a stress factor. But I'm always very quick to self-assess. And I'm like, okay, why is this stressing you out? Is it really this that, that, you know, that's causing you a bit of stress or is it something else? Like, you know, whether maybe it's, it's, a, it's a work thing or something that, that's been bugging me at the back of my head and it's just, this is the outlet. And I'm always very aware, uh, specifically with uh, with my partner, with my girlfriend is here at the time. If I'm feeling, you know, like a little down or a little stressed, I'll tell her in advance. I'll say, you know, babe, just to let you know, I'm feeling a little stressed today. So in case I feel a, if I sound a little off, that's why, and it's not you. And if I do like get it like a little a little snappy at someone for for doing something that for instance, doesn't, you know, against common sense, then I'll wait and I'll reassess and say, okay, and then I'll go back and I'll apologize. I'm sorry that, you know, like uh, I, I snapped at you like that. I still don't agree, but it was what I, why I was snapping you wasn't about you. But that's, that's taken a while. That's one of the, the things, the, uh, the maturity that I've gotten over the years of being able to try and recognize and assess what it is that's really causing me stress. You know, Mark, that you're coaching yourself all the time, right? You've gone to that point <laughs> where you're like completely coaching your own self, which is great. I mean, that's what people want is to be able to self-moderate, is to be able to stop and think about what you're doing and correct yourself before you create, you know, too much damage in a relationship or people all around you. So that's definitely... Um, a credit to you. And I can understand why you're pursuing that meta coaching program or class. Yeah. I mean, you are definitely like a natural coach. And is oh, this, is this something, something you want to do? Like, is this something that yes. you are looking to get into? Yes. Um, I, I'm not sure if, if it'll be a, a profession, but it is certainly something I'm very interested in doing because I do always want to try and help people that need help. I know that I'm very blessed 
I've I've had a very blessed life. I've got a, you know, uh, I've had a great childhood. You know, like um, you know, I love my family. I love my parents. You know, my siblings, and I've got incredible friends. I've been very fortunate with the work that I do, the the things that I've been able to experience, and so I always feel like the very least that I can do uh, karmically to feel like to give back is to try and help people where I can. And and now I think maybe this this could be something that would be very helpful to a lot of people. So we'll see. I, I see that actually happening a lot more now is people are sort of waking up and, and starting to realize that they have this ability to help people in these kinds of ways, you know, by inspiring mm. people, influencing them, coaching them. And you're seeing more and more of it in the world, which is amazing because that's what we need you know we need everyone around us to sort of start influencing people in a positive way making people realize how important it is to be healthy you know to mm -hmm. be emotionally balanced to be uh, prioritizing their health and well-being and i think there's no greater lesson than what we've been through in the last couple of months as a world to teach us that one thing that i like seeing as coming out of this this whole pandemic is that people are a lot more open to wanting to help each other and like messaging people and you know asking how are you are you okay and 6 months ago if someone messaged you like yeah yeah whatever right or or they wouldn't message that but now when people ask they mean it and you know the way people are you know like are greeting people you know via text or signing off it's like I mean, now when I message someone, I'm like, you know, you know, hi, so and so. I hope you and your family are doing well, sort of thing. And it, it's, you know, it's because I, I hope, to, hopefully, they are. And if people message me and say, you know, how are you? I know that they're. It's not just a flippant, you know, off the cuff remark. I know that they're right. seriously asking. And it's a loaded sort question. Of, it is it's a loaded, loaded question, question and it, today. And it's great that we now have this connection again that we had lost for so long, where everything was just like, okay, now instant into this. I need an answer right now. It was very abrupt, very quick. You know, it's you know like quick text to each other without the formalities, without the the politeness and the manners of of asking how someone is. But now it's gone so much further and deeper than that because you are really concerned. And I love seeing that. That's for me one big advantage, one big plus that's come out of all of this: the honest concern that people have for others. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. It's just it takes on a completely different meaning today when you say things like "stay safe" or "I hope yeah. you and your family are doing well." And there's just a sense of sincerity and solidarity that I think was missing before. So just you know. Just the fact that we've slowed down and we've started to care more about mm. things like our lives and communicating with the people we love and nature and the environment and recognizing that we're all interconnected. You know, what happens to one person is affecting the other. It's affecting the entire world. And we're all part of yeah. this one big planet. And it is Absolutely. important for us to be responsible, which is something that... I really got from what you were sharing with us. So, Mark, is there uh, anything you would like to say about your advocacies, about about you know taking care of our planet, and sort of anything you would like to impart 
to our listeners yes. about that before we before we go? Yeah, I, I know we've touched on on the environment, and I'll get back to that in just a minute. But I also want to let everyone know about one of my other advocacies, which is uh, World Vision. Uh, it's basically sponsoring children that can't afford to go to school. But the World Vision also does a lot of uh, relief work during times of disaster, and obviously even now during the times of the pandemic, helping with uh, medical supplies and de delivering foodstuffs to communities that have no work. But then also, yeah, like the educating of, of the kids. I personally sponsor 15 children, and I've noticed that that children that treat education as a privilege rather than a right or a chore are so much more appreciative of it and study so much harder. They give it a whole new importance. So the, the kids of mine that have graduated already, you know, a lot have graduated as accelerated students or honors on the honor roll, because these are kids that they knew what it was like to not be able to go to school. And so they want to go, they want to learn, they want to improve themselves, they want to improve their way of life, they want to, you know, like help their families and so forth. So it's, yeah, a wonderful program. If anyone wants to check it out, please go to worldvision.org.ph. And then, of course, uh, yeah, WWF is my other big one, the environment, all the great projects they do around the country, helping just not just the natural world, but also uh, the communities around it, because it has to be, again, it's got to be a holistic approach. It can't only benefit the environment, also has to benefit the community. And they're not mutually exclusive. And that's something that a lot of people don't understand. They say, oh, well, yeah, but, you know, to protect the environment, then it's going to be better. It's, you know, you're not going to make as much money or it's not going to be as good for the community. No, it does not have to be mutually exclusive. We have many projects that the environment is flourishing and the, the local community is benefiting, is reaping the, the rewards from that. I would like to also remind people that the environment is not something that happens out there. It is a world that we live in. And we as a human population all have something invested in this world, in this home of ours. If, for instance, if someone came, if you wouldn't like light a, a match and set fire to your living room, you would no, you wouldn't want and you wouldn't want anyone else to do that. So why would you do it to your planet? You wouldn't take your trash and just dump it all over your, your kitchen floor. So why would you do it to your planet? And it is a, the world is just a larger community that we uh, are all a part of. So we all need to work together. And especially, this goes back to the, the quote you attributed to me um, before. If not for us, then for our kids, we all want the best for our children. We all want them to experience the very best. We want to live, give them a clean environment. In our dreams, we want to provide them with a home, with a roof over their head that is secure, that is safe, that is beautiful. Well, that's our planet. So we need to bring that attitude to giving them the best planet we can to inherit. Um, yeah, so everyone, please do your part. Wow, that was just such an important and beautiful message. And uh, it really struck home for me. You know, as a mother of two children, it's my responsibility to do the best by my children. And that starts with our planet. So I agree completely with your sentiments. So Mark, thank you 
for everything that you have shared with us. I know that a lot of people, just as, as I feel, are very inspired uh, by everything you've said. And you've definitely shed a lot of light on some different ideas. And I think we've gotten to know a side of you that maybe you don't necessarily share with everybody. So I really thank you for for that. I know our listeners will probably want to learn a lot more about your advocacies, a little bit more about you. So how can they follow you? If you can share um, your social media details, yeah. share that. My, I'm most active on Instagram, which is at Mark Nelson. That's at M-A-R-C-N-E-L-S-O-N. I, uh, I do two podcasts at the moment, one every Tuesday night, which is just me. And I usually talk about travel and I just invite viewers to join me on random viewers to join me on the show. And we talk about the places they'd like to go. And I try and tell them the, the ins and outs and places to go. Um, I may expand that to uh, to touch on other subjects uh, as we as we move along. I'm just going to start uh, week three coming up. What is it and called, the, Mark? What's that podcast called? <sighs> right now, I don't really have a name for it. Uh, it was either maybe it's like Making My Mark or just Traveling with Mark, or I may eventually go back. I used to have a Philippine star column called Question Mark, so I may I may go back and start using that. Oh, I like uh, again. that. I like that. Uh, and then uh, on Thursday nights, I have uh, I do another show with uh, my good friend Wilson Fernandez, and yeah, we try and make it informative. We try and make it fun, and uh, we invite different guests. It's called uh, "I Need Us." Oh, we need new friends, and we do that on Facebook Live. And uh, we're just about to launch. We finished season one, but we're just about to launch the audio versions of season one. Uh, we have some great guests on. I know we actually we share a lot of the guests that uh, you have on your show as well. But uh, yeah, it's it's funny, it's irreverent, but you will you will leave learning something. So yeah, that's every Thursday night on Facebook Live. Wonderful. So thank you yeah. again, Mark. I think you've opened up a whole different perspective, a whole different world to a lot of people, and um, you've left us with a lot to think about. So thank you so much for this very fresh perspective. I appreciate it a lot. And thank you for taking the time to join us. Thank you so, so much for having me. It has been, uh, it's been a wonderful time chatting with you. And uh, yeah, I look forward to following the other interviews you have. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this week's episode on the Project Loving Myself podcast. Here is our Project Loving Myself thought for the week. The journey towards self-discovery is the greatest adventure you will ever take. So tell me what you thought of this episode. What did you learn? What were you inspired by? I know I had so much to take from this episode. Post your thoughts on Instagram at Project Loving Myself Podcast and at Project Loving Myself on Facebook. You can also write directly to me at Sanaya Gurnamal. That's S A. N-A-I-Y-A-H-G-U-R-N-A-M-A-L on all social media channels. I personally love going back to these episodes because I think there's so many real nuggets of wisdom and I like to write it on my little post-it notes and then I post it on my mirror. So that's something you might want to do and I would love to hear what you have to say um, about this episode. See you next week for some more me time because you are loved. Hugs and kisses from me to all of you. See you soon.